0: Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. Glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me on a lovely Chico Tuesday. Well, tax season is definitely here. I'm glad of that. It's always good to get back in the swing of things. I do a lot of individual income taxes and of course those have businesses uh, within them and I also do business taxes but Say, I'd say probably my main work would be individual taxes with businesses uh, in them, like self-employed small businesses. But it's interesting, this year, the stimulus checks that everybody or most people got since last April, I believe they started coming out, They're all being ran through the mill in the 2020, so uh, I don't want to get too confusing, but the way it works is that, let's say you're somebody who hasn't gotten the second stimulus check for whatever reason, like maybe you filed 2018 and you got the first one, but you didn't get the second one because you didn't file 2019, something like that. The good news is you don't have to go back and go backwards through this thing you can actually file your 2020 and tell them on the tax return you're filing that you didn't get the 600. And if you qualify with being, you know, reasonably uh, not too high of an income, you will then get the $600 after you file this tax return as a refund. It's kind of slick the way it works. So there are some people who didn't get the first stimulus or, they got a limited amount of first stimulus because their numbers were higher in 2018. But if the income's down lower now, they get the difference made up when they filed their 2020 taxes. So it's not necessarily so that if you didn't get a stimulus, you're never going to get it. It's just that you have to basically kind of apply for it now, and you may be getting it with your 2020 tax return. Cause technically, the stimulus amounts were credits on the 2020 return that were prepaid by checks being mailed. Kind It's kind of tricky, but it's just the way they do it, and it's working out pretty well. Some There's some clients where the numbers worked out properly, and their clients with children are getting back now like $3,000 of stimulus that they were short on because their 2018 income was higher than their 2020, So it's kind of interesting and it's kind of good news for some people. Other than that, the tax law, the tax law that got passed in 2018, I call it the Trump tax law because it happened. They signed it. I mean, they, they passed it through Congress at the end of 2017. It affected 2018 and forward, but it expires. I believe I would have to look it up. I haven't looked it up, but I believe it expires in 2024 unless it's renewed, which means if we do have a new president, probably will be expiring, but uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. A lot of my clients assume automatically that there's going to be higher tax rates with Democrats in office, but you just never know. But it, I would say it's fairly likely that if Democrats stay in office, the tax law of 2018 probably will, expire that's the only part of it that I can probably say more than 50% likelihood I don't know that's just my opinion I don't know I can't read the. obviously I can't read the future I'm still working right so I have a few real good articles so on business buzz I try to keep you posted on business so I try to make it like I'm doing today where we start locally, then we branch out. So to start with, I've got an article here from December 20th. It's a little while ago, but it's it's apropos to now. It says over 400 Butte County businesses have closed. And this is from the Chico Enterprise Record business section on December 20th but it says some pretty stunning news came out of the state employment development department last week. It was about the number of businesses that have closed in Butte County this year, between January and September, 399 businesses shut their doors permanently. But it's more than 399 because the report doesn't count self-employed individuals. So what they mean by that is that this is the record of people who pay payroll between the the early part of 2020 and September of 2020 they sent in their reports of payroll and that many Butte County businesses checked the box that said final wages paid business closed that's why she's saying 399 but it's over 400 because in that time frame there would be a lot of small businesses that were not that didn't have employees but they would just be sole proprietors and they would not be sending a form to the EDD necessarily because they don't report payroll every quarter. And that's why they mean that. So I'm sure it's a lot more than 400 that actually went out of business during the planned I mean the pandemic, It's not well, we know business isn't good for certain businesses. Now quite a few businesses I've noticed, and especially now that I'm doing 2020 tax returns, Quite a few businesses did very well, even with the pandemic year of 2020. The online businesses did very well. Uh, Of course, it's the restaurants and the bars that are hit the hardest and the ones I feel the most for, but they also got quite a bit of PPP or Payroll Protection Program money, and it turns out that when that money does not have to be repaid, And it's forgiven, it's not taxable, which is really good news. I talked about that on Business Buzz before. Bottom line is if a company got money to cover their payroll and they did cover the payroll, that money's completely tax free and they still get to deduct the payroll expense. There's going to be a lot of businesses that had problems during the shutdown that are going to have tax refunds coming. Any overall loss for the year gets to carry back those losses five years. If a business has a big negative number for 2020 and they've been around long enough, we can go back to 2015 and file a return then that includes this 2020 loss on it. So you might have a company with a good net income in 2015 and they paid, you know, just say 20% average, federal tax back then, uh, corporate tax. If they have a $100,000 loss in 2020, they can take that back to 2015 and maybe get back like twenty or $30,000 of tax, depending on what tax bracket they were in in 2015. That'll be interesting, and hopefully some of these clients who are hurting from the shutdown, I call it the shutdown, they'll be able to recoup some money, some extra money from tax refunds by carrying back these current losses. That's the one good thing about having losses on your year. The one good thing is you might get some taxes back from an old year based on these new laws. The next local business article I printed is also from the Chico ER business section. And I subscribe to the Chico ER. If you notice, when you go to read newspaper articles, after you read a couple of them, they will say you need to subscribe. I normally don't. In other words, I don't subscribe to the Chronicle or the New York Times or the Washington Post because most of the things I want to read on there I can find elsewhere if I can't read it on their site. But with Chico ER, uh, it's really the only local news that I can get, especially for the business section. So I definitely subscribe, and it's pretty cool. It's got a lot of good things for the local news, and I enjoy that. It's not very expensive. I think it's 3 or $4 a month, and you still get to read all the articles. So the next local business article I printed, and you've probably heard about this, is dated February 3rd by Sharon Martin, Chico's Aaron Rodgers and North Valley Community Foundation established the Aaron Rodgers Small Business COVID-19 Fund. And it looks like he was voted the NFL's most valuable player, even though he didn't make the Super Bowl. And he donated $500,000, and the community fund adds 100000 And it says Green Bay Packers quarterback and Chico native Aaron Rodgers will be partner, partnering with the North Valley Community Foundation to help locally owned small businesses and restaurants survive the coronavirus pandemic, so that's good news. That's nice. that Somebody that uh, makes a lot of money can return some of it to the to the local local economy. That's a nice thing. I remember I have my son has some friends who are they weren't in the exact same year as Aaron Rodgers but they were close at Pleasant Valley. So they knew him and they had some classes together with him. And I remember after he, after he first won that Super Bowl, I think he did show up in Chico, like eating out at a restaurant somewhere downtown. But then I haven't heard of him being like sighted in Chico for quite a while. So I'm not sure how much time he spends in Chico anymore. I, I really don't know much about him, but, uh, I mean, I don't know much about him personally. I do watch football, and I'm not a Packers fan, but I do like the fact that we have a Chico native that's a MVP of the league of the NFL. for, I believe that's the third time he's been awarded the MVP award. I'm not sure of who votes on that, but it's interesting. At least he's helping out some businesses that have been hurt by the shutdown. So the other local business, as we expand outward a little bit from Chico, we now get to Orland, and I've got two articles related to this. The first one is from uh, January 22nd, Sharon Martin again at the Chico ER. It's Amazon distribution facility to open in Orland. So that's kind of exciting. It says, delivery station projected to bring 100 to 150 jobs to the area. So, you know, anytime there's jobs, I think that's good. But then, uh, unfortunately, the next article is Amazon arrived of oh, this uh, same newspaper. This one's by Todd Bishop on, oh, that's uh, real recent, uh, February 8th. And it, it's called Amazon arrives in rural America. Tech giant delivers hope and concern to Orland. And the picture in the article is longtime grower, Daryl Schoenauer stands in his orchard, which is across the street from his Amazon, from an Amazon delivery station in Orland. So, um, I honestly didn't read this whole article. I'm not going to read it on the air, but, It sounds like uh, there are some people not real happy about the Amazon thing. Here's part of it. It said uh, "But some of the same people who recognize the potential upside are also unsettled by the company's initial secrecy, by the lack of opportunity for public input in the planning stages of the project, and by unanswered questions about the long-term impact on the labor market and local infrastructure, including some rough country roads surrounding the site. It's been done in secret, said Orland native Dr. Donald Barcelo, who owns property between the planned Amazon delivery station and Interstate 5. Hmm. Well, I don't know all the details, but it's interesting that uh, we're going to have a big Amazon facility right here in, well, it's in Glen County, but it's close to Chico in Orland. I thought that was something that, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it causes a lot of trouble or not. Well, we're coming up on that first break. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned, I'll be right back.
1: God gave Abraham an amazing promise, one that would change his life and family forever. Do you have a promise from God? A precious promise for your life? I'm Gary Wilkerson with World Challenge. Has God given you a word from heaven that will both shake and shape your life? Just what is a promise? Is it a new home? A better car? A higher paying job? More fame? More ease? More comfort? If that's your highest promise, you're probably not hearing all that God has for you. His promise is bigger, more amazing than you could imagine. Why? Because His promise is not primarily about you, but about Him. It's a promise of you being a part of something much bigger than yourself, and that bigger thing is God and His purposes. When I live only to gain promises that my life will be bigger, better, and brighter, I miss the higher calling in a life of service to God, making His name known better, His glory seen brighter. We'd love to pray with you so that you could find your highest calling. Contact us at pray.worldchallenge.org. That's pray.worldchallenge.org. I'm Gary Wilkerson. She had big dreams of becoming a famous singer, but when she experienced an unplanned pregnancy, she felt her life spiraling out of control. On the next Focus on the Family, Courtney Chapman tells her almost-abortion story and shares how God used her baby to change her entire family. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me. We're in the thick of another tax season. I believe this is about my 40, probably my 41st tax season, something like that. I started in the early 80s uh, working for my father in Oakland. He did taxes all the time, and that's where I learned. So it's been a while. I've seen almost everything. I was talking to somebody about that and saying I've almost seen everything, but then again every every tax season two or three things come up and it's like I've never seen that before. So there's always something new. It keeps you keeps you on your toes if you're in the if you're in the income tax world. Well, I think we're learning I think we're learning something every day these days. I think if you're paying attention to the news, that you're probably, you're being exposed to some things that should, should open your eyes, and I call it should wake you up. This is one story, it's been a couple of weeks now running, but it's an amazing story. If you've heard about it that's good. If you haven't heard about it I'll try to give you a little clue in on it, but if you've heard about it I just wanted to make a few comments about it. It's the story of the Robin Hood stock traders who ran up they ran up a stock. I mean, I don't know everything they've done, but I do know that they did it with a stock called GameStop, which is the retail mall type place that sells video games that I think most people just download directly now. So you don't really need to go to a store. So I'm guessing that this, this stock was on its way down. And what happens when a stock's on its way down is the big boys on wall street short that stock. In other words, if you're short a stock, you actually make money when the price goes down. In other words, you sell now and you buy back later. So, that's what shorting a stock is. If a stock is $40 a share today and you sell it now at 40 and a week later it's at 30 you buy it back at 30 and you just made $10 per share. So it's the opposite of buying and owning a stock and you want it to go up. This is where you sell first, buy later, so you make money when it goes down. Now, the theory, I believe, on this Robin Hood thing is it was a group of these traders who all have small accounts, but there's hundreds of thousands of them, so they can kind of band together. And, of course, obviously the Robin Hood name tells you what they're trying to do. They're trying to rob from the rich and give to the poor. Now, what's interesting is they figure out which stocks have been heavily shorted. So I'm assuming they figured out a few weeks ago that GameStop was being heavily shorted by the big boys on Wall Street. So they went in and, as a group, bought as much GameStop stock as they could. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the price of this GameStop stock, after they started buying it, went from something like $30 a share to $450 a share. That's what I heard I might be wrong on the exact amounts. It's something like that. So it's a 15-to-1 run-up with no what they call fundamentals. In other words, the fundamentals of GameStop would probably naturally be that it's going to go down, it should go down, it's a dying, it's kind of like owning Blockbuster Video, you know, 15 years ago when the Internet started taking over movies. That would be the equivalent of GameStop these days, I'm guessing. So logically and fundamentally, and if you don't know the difference fundamental versus technical, if you're a stock trader type, your fundamental analysis, things like, well, if you're looking to buy corn futures, is the weather good in the Midwest or are there floods uh, killing off all the corn crop? That would be fundamental news or fundamental trading. Uh, the technical trading is merely watching a chart and following the chart pattern so that it doesn't even matter which commodity or which month contract you're looking at. You're looking at a chart and you're basing your trades and your in and out and your entry points on technical analysis. So that's the difference between fundamental analysis and technical analysis. So I'm guessing that the GameStop fundamentals were not good. And that's why it was such a hugely shorted stock. It was, somebody knew it was, should be going down. Now, he, the reason I'm telling you this story isn't to tell you how people made money by buying GameStop. I'm, I'm here to tell you the story of what happened after they did this. This group of Robinhood investors, small guys buying 10, 20 shares a piece or something, they collectively got together, bought all the GameStop stock, ran the price way, way up. And I understand some big hedge fund related to a place called Citadel, but I'm not sure who owned what but they lost this GameStop run up caused this hedge fund, which is the big wall street head honchos caused them to lose billions of dollars. Now, the reason I tell you this story isn't whether it's a good thing for people to band together and buy stock or it's a good thing for rich wall street people to band together and sell stock and make the price go down. But the reason I'm telling you this story, is that the reaction to this was that the Robinhood people were banned from buying any more than one share of stock of these particular stocks. And that's the unbelievable part of this story. So what you have is for the, probably for the first time ever, we have a documented case of small investors, mom and pop, little guys, probably some teenagers who buy Bitcoin and, buy and sell and trade bitcoin you have a small you have a group of small traders actually getting together kind of like a union like a shop being unionized and they collectively put their couple hundred bucks a piece in and they cause a big wall street firm to lose billions of dollars now the the reason i'm telling you this story is the reaction to this is the is the news of this story And I'll just start with this article. It's dated, uh, when's it dated? I think it's just dated sometime. Oh, I'm sorry, it's January 29th, so not too long ago, 2021. The Robinhood stock ban has expanded to 50 high-flying Reddit names. Reddit is the place where these Robinhood guys get together and chat all day about what they're doing. Placing trading restrictions on everything from GameStop to advanced micro devices, that must be another one. They were found. They found somebody shorting, so they were going to buy. With Robinhood loan with Robinhood bans stirring up anger and moving the market. What should you know now, and what are the 50 stocks on the restricted list? Yesterday, Robinhood announced in a blog post that it would outright halt new purchases of GameStop and seven other equities, angering celebrities and retail investors alike. The move ultimately resulted in a class-action lawsuit. Through it all, the company said its decision was to protect regular investors from losing too much money. However, many saw it instead as a way to protect short-selling hedge funds from further losses. Well, I'll let you guys be the—I'll let you guys decide which one that might be. I mean, since when did anybody ever protect uh, the small guy? says, today those, rest- and this is dated uh, January 29th, because I know they've lifted some of these because the danger is over now. Today, those restrictions are continuing, and this is as of January 29th. As it stands, Robinhood has restricted trading in 50 different equities, which is stocks. Now, investors face aggregate limits on how many new shares they can accumulate. Here are some of the names on the list. American Airlines, one new share. You can only buy one at a time. First Majestic Silver, one new share. AMC Entertainment, now that's a theater chain that's probably on the downhill slide, kind of like GameStop. One new share. Uh, BlackBerry, one new share. Bed, Bath & Beyond, one new share. Castor Maritime, five new shares. Hmm, Express, five new shares. GameStop, one new share. Koss, Koss used to make headphones. One new share. So the bottom line is, So, I'll just read a little more so I can educate you as I, as I learn a little more too. I, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, so what do you really need to know about the new Robinhood bans? bands? Essentially the trading platform has massively expanded its restrictions. We're coming up on that second break. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'll be right back on business buzz. Stay tuned.
1: Attention, KKXX listeners. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's Home for Christian Talk. KKXX 930. Let's go! Wow, Bob the Drop is face jumping off the clouds. That's right, he's right above Mount Shasta. Awesome, way to stick that landing, Bob. Now he's shredding it up on a snowboard. Wahoo! Look out, here he comes. Woo, that was cool and refreshing. It should be. It's going to be Mount Shasta Spring Water in 500 years. Have it delivered right to your home or office by calling 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple, naturally, the best. Mount Shasta Spring Water. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
0: Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA, enjoying a a nice break in the af- break in the action from tax season. And I was talking before the break about the Robinhood stock situation. I'm not going to belabor this thing. I think you guys should all at least understand what happened because what basically happened is a small group of people hurt a big Wall Street hedge fund. And they, the people who kind of oversee things stepped in and stopped the carnage with new rules and it hurt the little guy. And it, of course it made, when they, when they made it to where you can't buy very many shares, obviously the price went way back down. I'm not sure what GameStop's at right now. Um, but if it went up to 450 i know it backed down to 250 or 300 fairly quickly after that so people who were buying at 450 obviously lost their shirt when they couldn't buy more when no one else was allowed to buy very very unfair uh, way this thing uh, ended up in in my opinion you can have your own opinion that's what that's what this country's all about now, the latest on the, I just wanted to update as far as what I know. I don't have a lot of information on this, but this whole Reddit thread that had all these hundreds of thousands of people doing this thing called Wall Street Bets, the big stink right now is the people who used to be what's called the moderators have been kind of kicked out, and there's some other moderators coming in, and it's almost like it's being co opted into uh, the wrong type of people, I'll just say. Uh, Not the people who started this and grew this kind of an organic Wall Street bets thing into this juggernaut that had enough power to make a hedge fund lose billions of dollars. Honestly, I'm all for free enterprise and open, uh, transparent business, but when I when i hear about somebody short selling everything and making all this money and then crying when they do finally get a loss uh, it, to me that uh, i i have no sympathy uh, they if they're going to play that way they need to play you know both sides should be able to play that game but it appears that we're not going to be allowed to have both sides play that game and that's my take on this whole Robin Hood thing and the result of the Robin Hood thing. So moving along, that now we just expanded that all the way to Wall Street. We went from Orland and Amazon to Wall Street and GameStop. Now we're going around the world because I decided to grab a quick article called the naked truth about 5g if you don't know what 5g is it's the latest frequency of cell phones that is going to take over the airwaves and some people say i'm not a doctor i'm not going to claim that know all this i'm just telling you that there's two sides to every story some people say that this 5g is very dangerous to the human body and the reason I printed this was because it seems to be a pretty good summary of the prob- the problem of this possible problem of this 5G. It's from a website called Environmental Health Trust, so you know they're leaning towards the they're leaning towards the paranoid side, I can tell you that. But I just thought there was a few highlights from this 5G article if you ever want to read about 5G problem these days is you go to search something like this 5g problem and most of the things that come up are links to videos so everybody's video 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 and you can't just read about it you have to kind of watch a video and that doesn't translate well when I'm here trying to do business buzz and trying to read something to you and I go and I find all these videos they don't help me that much. So I'm just going to summarize a couple things in this 5G article. Over 600 cities in Italy have passed resolutions to halt 5G, as have cities throughout Europe, such as Trafford, United Kingdom, Lille, France, Ormidia, Cyprus, Balchik, Bulgaria. The Pan-Cyprian Medical Association and Cyprus National Committee on the Environment and Child Health sent Parliament their position paper the risks to public health from the use of the 5G network. Bermuda has halted, halted 5G pending a report on safety. Switzerland's report on 5G health effects resulted in the parliament's refusal to loosen their radiation limits despite heavy industry lobbying efforts. Oh, so Switzerland, they've already had some of this going on. Communities are being told that it is necessary to build small cell towers in neighborhoods in order to offer 5G a new tech technology that will connect the internet of things 5G will increase ambient levels of wireless radio frequency radiation peer reviewed research has demonstrated a myriad of adverse effects from wireless radio frequency radiation including increased brain cancer dna damage oxidative stress immune dysfunction altered brain development Damage reproduction, sleep changes, hyperactivity, and memory damage. Insurance authorities declassify, oh, I'm sorry, insurance authorities classify 5G as high risk. It is standard practice for insurance coverage to exclude health damages from wireless and electromagnetic radiation. The insurance authority Swiss RE released a white paper classifying 5G as a high emerging risk, cautioning that, quote, Potential claims for health impairments may come with a long latency. If insurance companies won't take the risk, why should we? If 5G cell towers and wireless is so safe, then why do all these organizations recommend reducing wireless exposure? And it goes on to list all these places that have uh, said that we really got to be careful with this 5G radiation. And I'm not saying it's yes or no. I'm not a doctor. Uh, don't quote me. I don't play one on television. What I'm trying to say is, there's two sides to every story. So I prefer to look at both sides instead of just one. And of course, we all get the other side all the time. You don't have to. You don't have to look for the first side of all this. It's right in front of you daily. And that's why I've been saying on Business Buzz, I don't believe a word I read anywhere but I do like to have both sides of the story so I can at least make up my own mind. Now, I mentioned I have a a JD degree. It's called Juris Doctor. It came from a law school, Cal Northern School of Law. I'm not an attorney. I never passed the bar exam, but I do have a law degree, so I like to talk about sometimes my favorite My favorite course in law school was constitutional law, so that's always been an interest of mine. And I printed out a thing from a place called lawyers.com. It's actually a place that tries to get you to sign up to ask to find a lawyer, but it also had some pretty good articles. And this one is called, What Kind of Speech Isn't Free Under the First Amendment? Now, of course, being on the radio, I have to at least acknowledge that there is such a thing as free speech and there's such a thing as non-free speech. So I'll just read a little bit of this. The Supreme Court has carved out exceptions to First Amendment protections for speech that incites listeners to riot or other illegal action threaten someone with violence, or is harmful in certain other ways. Americans care deeply about their free speech rights, but they may not always understand that government has the power to prevent or punish speech that displays a clear and present danger of riot or another immediate threat to public safety, peace, or order. The First Amendment does not protect incitement to riot or other illegal actions. The first amendment doesn't protect statements that are meant to incite listeners to riot or commit other imminent illegal acts as long as the statements are also likely to as long as the statements are also likely to have that effect. As the Supreme Court has said, it's obvious that government has the power to prevent or punish speech that displays a clear and present danger of riot or another immediate threat to public safety. At the same time, however, people people have a constitutional right to advocate violence in general, even for abhorrent reasons, like when they allude to killing African Americans as a way to preserve white supremacy. So I guess what this thing is saying is that you can generally promote, you can generally speak about promoting uh, violence, but you can't directly promote direct violence. Well, I'm coming up on that third break. Uh, I'll be right back on Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dacus.
1: In two separate cases, the U.S. Supreme Court effectively reversed and remanded pandemic-related limits on attendance at houses of worship in New Jersey and Colorado. Plaintiffs in both cases consider the court's actions a huge victory for religious freedom. Both rulings showed court concern that churches get equal treatment with secular activities, Disparities between restrictions on religious activities and secular activities violate the Free Exercise Clause. Now, the Supreme Court has made it clear that religious liberty is not a second-class right.
0: Learn more about our ministry and get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Remember the website, pji.org. Okay, men, this is your time. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I found an interesting part of this thing I was reading about First Amendment. Does the First Amendment protect fighting words and hate speech? This is interesting. Direct personal insults aren't protected free speech if they're so offensive that they're likely to provoke the listener to resort to immediate violence. And that's Chaplinsky versus New Hampshire in 1942. I'm going to have to look that one up. That that must be an interesting case because obviously whatever somebody said to Chaplinsky uh, must have been so bad that it provoked him to immediate violence. i got to read about that one. I don't mean to make light of this stuff, but uh, there is no free speech protection for obscenity and child pornography. You know, that's... Should be obvious, but these days you never know what they're going to come up with, but that's that's a good thing. The interesting one is defamation. Defamation is a false statement about someone that hurts the person's reputation, whether it's written as libel or spoken as slander. Libel and slander aren't crimes, but the victim can sue the person who did the defaming. However, free speech rights do come into play when the victim is a public figure like a politician because that person has to prove there was actual malice behind the false statement. So in other words, just for for general people, if you say something really bad about someone that a third party hears, that's another part of uh, libel and slander. There has to be a third party involved. You could say it to somebody, but if no one else hears it, it can't be... uh, it can't be slander because nobody else heard it. But what's interesting is truth is always a defense to libel and slander. In other words, if what you're saying is true, they can't win a case against you. Now, where that comes in handy is this. If you listen to people on YouTube and they sound, they sound crazy with their accusations on some famous person, you have to ask yourself this, if I was that famous person and that guy on YouTube said that about me and it wasn't true, I would sue him so fast it'd make your head spin. Well, here's the problem. There's lots of people getting things said about them, and they don't end up suing. And you have to wonder, could it be that if they know... If they know if the victim, quote, victim here, knows that what that person said is actually true, they know they can't win a libel or slander case because truth is always a defense. That's just something I'm throwing out. I'm not going to get into any details about what I might be talking about. I think you guys have listened to me long enough. You're smart enough to know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't really matter what I'm saying is you really have to think twice when you hear somebody be accused of a really terrible thing, but he never sues anybody or she never sues anybody. That's a little bit weird and you got to think about it. And a lot of times people will say things like uh, YouTubers will say something really bad about someone and they'll say, and I hope he does sue me because then we can go to court and we can have discovery and i can prove what i'm saying is true. so you just have to wonder whenever you hear somebody getting insulted big time of a terrible terrible thing maybe the reason they're not suing anyone is because that terrible thing is happens to be true. could it be true? is that possible? oh heaven forbid. it can't be true. why don't you sue him then? well, and then they'll have, a, you know, they'll have a list of 10 reasons why they're not going to bother suing this person after they just got supremely slandered. That's just a little factoid of mine I wanted to bring up. I thought it was interesting. Now, one other thing having to do with the Constitution. We're in the midst of a weird, weird election situation I'm not telling you who I voted for. I'm not telling you who you should vote for. I don't think you should even share that, but don't you want your vote to count when you do vote, no matter which side you're on. So there's an article now that I've, uh, and this is another one where the thing brings up a lot of videos and I'm, I'm not going to watch a video on this. I don't have time, especially during tax season. I don't have time to sit there and watch videos, but I'm just going to point you to this if you want to learn a little more or read a little more or uh, stimulate your brain a little bit, especially if you like math. I've always been, of course, being an accountant, I've you have to enjoy math or you wouldn't go into that occupation to begin with. The math in accounting is not that difficult. The hardest it ever gets, I would say, is some algebraic things that if you know your basic algebra, you can work your way through these as an accountant. There's nothing... Really high end math out here on this. I would say good basic algebra knowledge takes care of 99% of your math needs if you're a CPA. But my point here is that you guys might want to read this because it's interesting. Because I'm always interested in things that are numeric and numbers and possibilities and uh, prime numbers and random numbers. I, I just, I've always been fascinated by those things. And uh, the headline you can look up on this is Renowned Mathematician Determines the 2020 Election Results at Precinct Level are, quote, impossible and, quote, cannot occur. And I did listen a little bit so I could clarify for myself how he's saying it's impossible, because that's a pretty strong statement, impossible, cannot occur. And I found out that the, the study he did was the precinct numbers from precinct to precinct, and I believe he was working with the Fulton County numbers in Georgia. What he found was that it would be absolutely mathematically impossible for the same ratios to pop up in all these different precincts, but they did. And so what his theory is, is even a human couldn't be that accurate if a human was plugging these things in. It had to be a computerized, what they call an algorithm. It had to be an algorithm to generate these these numbers that are matching in every precinct. So if you're interested in that for any reason, whether you're happy, sad, glad, uh, depressed, you can read about, just type in, Renowned mathematician determines the 2020 election results, and you'll find this article. And then you can view the video with it. I just thought it was really interesting. I'm, I, I'm a numbers guy. I enjoy I enjoy mathematical questions. One of my favorites is, and I haven't looked this up lately, but have you ever looked into the question of what is the largest prime number? Well, first you have to define what a prime number is. A prime number is a number that, and we're not talking decimals here, we're talking whole numbers, or natural numbers, I think they call them. A prime number is a natural, is a whole number that can only be evenly divided by itself and one. So if you look at that, the list of primes starts with 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, 19, anyway, and then it goes on from there. But the higher number you get, the more likely it is able to be divided by another number other than one or itself. So let's look at that. A prime number, number five. You can't divide five evenly by two, three, four, or anything but five or one. That's why it's prime. Now, the interesting thing about primes also is the only even prime number is 2 because 2 can only be divided evenly by itself and 1. So if you think about this, all the every even number cannot be prime when it's more than 2 because you can divide every even number by 2 and you can divide it uh, exactly by 2. Now, if you expand that out, every th- 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 21, those are all divisible by 3. So all of those numbers, all the way up, the way, way, way up high, those are not prime. Then you take the 5s, everything that ends with a 5, 15, 25, 35, 45, those are always divisible by 5 and themselves, so they are not prime. Any number that ends in 0 is another even number, it's not prime. So you're already down to only the numbers that end in one, three, seven, or 9. What's interesting is there's prime numbers that are so huge, it would bother your mind. I can't remember right now, but it's like 2 to the 1,000th power minus 1. And that gigantic, humongous number is a prime number. Uh, to me, that's amazing. So that's why I'm interested in mathematical impossibilities. It's like, wait, why was this impossible? So I looked it up, and that's how this mathematician says it's impossible. And my main point about that is when we were talking about constitutional law, I don't care whose side you're on, it would be nice to know that when you go to vote that their vote's going to count and not be nullified by a computer algorithm. So that's just food for thought. I encourage you to look some of that up and read a little more. So the other thing that happened when the GameStop thing happened, they immediately jumped on silver. In fact, one of those companies that I mentioned that was limited to buying only one share after the GameStop mess was called First Majestic Silver. The, the, the symbol for that is AG, which is actually also the atomic symbol for silver. And that one was limited because the guys who did GameStop also got together and said, hey, let's get the silver shorts. Well, didn't quite work that way with silver. And I've been telling you how manipulated downward silver is. I've been telling you that for a long time on Business Buzz. But I wanted to quickly go over this article. Uh, This came out February 4th, which was after the – Robin Hood silver stuff happened last uh, that weekend. Before that, it says silver coins still in high demand even with drop in metal price. So here's what happened: they made this thing where they said they were going to go after buying. They were going to buy silver uh, over the weekend of uh, the weekend of the fourth or third or fourth or whatever day that was. Um, and um, so what happened is all the places that sell silver stopped selling it on Sunday because they were so worried about the price shooting up. So on Sunday night when the market opened in the Far East and you can start trading silver futures, remember I've told you that's paper silver. Don't confuse it with real silver. Silver popped up to $30 an ounce, so it did go up 3% on Sunday night. Problem is it was back down to less than 26 within about two days of that. So in other words, they knocked it down. And the moral of the story on that is, here's the way it worked. Two weeks ago, when silver was priced at 27 you could go online and buy an ounce of silver for around $29. That's called the premium. That's the amount of the paper price of 27 and the difference between the paper price of 27 and the real price to buy an ounce, which was 29 That's called the premium. Well, now what's happened since this silver short deal where they tried to buy silver, even though the paper price is back down to 27 and and change right now, the problem is when you go to buy the physical silver right now, you won't find ounces of silver for less than about $32. So what's happened is the paper price looks the same as it was two weeks ago the premium has almost tripled and you cannot buy silver right now for $29 an ounce. I happen to know you can't locally because a friend of mine who I've been helping learn how to buy, I'm teaching him how to buy silver. He went out to every local silver shop in the area about a week and a half ago and he bought up every ounce he could get at about $29, which was the, Old paper price of 27 plus the premium of two. Well, now you can't get them for less than 32. I have to go. I will see you next time on Business Buzz. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. See you next time.